Good morning. Everybody wide awake this morning? Or maybe not wide, narrowly awake? Narrowly awake, that's good. There's coffee in the back if you need it, just, just saying. Um, if you would, please stand for the reading of the opening text this morning. We'll be reading from John chapter 14, starting at verse 15. And I'll be reading from the ESV, and that's what's going to be on the screen this morning. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Then verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Then in verse 23 and 24, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Let's pray again. Father, thank you so much for your word. And thank you so much for words of psalms and words of songs that remind us that your word is precious. And the truth that is there is that you will hold us fast. You do not let us go. And you bring us to your word to correct, to encourage, to challenge, to comfort and I pray right now to do, to do well, to do those things by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let your words be dominant, let them be preeminent, let they be before all things, in the middle of all things, and in the conclusion. And Father, I pray your blessings your keeping on us in these moments for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So in, in bringing the scriptures back from, from last week, just, just here, these, I'm not going to ask you to put them up on the screen, Chase. I think you probably saw some that were on the sign as you, as you rolled in this morning. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. 
and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And it doesn't labor me to say those again and again and again, because Jesus used that repetition again and again and again. And why? Because it's important. Why? Because it's more than just foundational to Christ's ministry or the things that were to come in the New Testament. It's foundational from the beginning. In the beginning, God. And when He made all things, He made them to obey His design and His plans. And when it was finished, all that creation, He said it was very good. So it is very good when God's creation does what He says it should do. And it's very bad when His creation doesn't do what He says it should do. So these are the leading thoughts in... Not just leading thoughts. They're running underneath everything about what it means to be a believer and follower of Christ. To obey His words. To obey the commands that He gave to us. Today, I want to share that if I, if I would put a title on this, and I have, it's written here on the page, but it's Abiding in Christ. And that's what we're going to get to in these, in these scriptures as we go forward. But there's two, importance, uh, two important points to connect last week's sermon to this week's. One, first point, love and obedience are inseparable in our relationship with Christ. Love and obedience are inseparable in our relationship with Christ. If someone says they love Jesus, but they're living in disobedience to what He has commanded, then they're either greatly deceived, they're either a a false convert, or they're a victim of a false teacher, but deceived nonetheless. Or, so they're either deceived, they're either greatly deceived, or they have created their own version of Christ to love. And that would be a false Christ. So I want to say that again. If someone says they love Jesus, but they are living in disobedience to what he's commanded, then they're either greatly deceived, or they have created their own version of Christ to love their own version of Christ to follow. And I promise you that version will more likely be crafted after their own desires. Or I would say it, of our own desires. Than it would be the actual Christ. The second point is this. Love for Christ and obedience to His commandments was a prerequisite for Jesus asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit 
after his resurrection and ascension. I'll say that again. It says a lot of words there. Love for Christ and obedience to his commandments was a prerequisite for Jesus asking the Father to send the Holy Spirit after his resurrection and ascension. John 14, 15, and 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. They are not separate. They go together. They go together. In like manner for us. In like manner for us. Believing that Christ is who He says He is, and turning from our rebelliousness and disobedience comes before the giving of His Holy Spirit as our helper. Do you see that? Do you, do you, under, do you understand that concept? Do we understand that about the Holy Spirit? In other words, the Father won't send His Spirit to live in an unregenerate person. No saving relationship with Christ, no helper. You, you hear the significance of, of that. No saving relationship with Christ, no helper. Now, that's not to say that the Holy Spirit is not completely active in that regenerative work coming to us to be convicting and convincing of our sin that we would come to know Christ. So I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit's not going to come near a person until after they're saved. That he's, He is active in that work completely, start to finish. But I'm talking not about coming to us, but I'm talking about living in us, coming and living in the house, as it were. Which brings some significance, and I'm just going to jump into this just a little bit. When Jesus talked about when a demon is cast out, of the house. You're familiar, hopefully you're familiar with this parable, but it's, there's, Jesus' parables weren't just stories to fill in the gaps. They were profound and real stories about real things that, that really happened and were really true. The spirit, a, a demon is driven out of the house, out of a person. And then they go wander around, the demon does. And that person's house is cleaned up. Oh, yay. The demon is gone, and I'm free of that. But then that demon wanders about, comes back to see what's there. And if that house is not filled up with God, with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, three in one, it's empty. He finds it all cleaned and swept and inviting because there's no one home that could drive him out. And he goes and gathers up seven friends of the demonic and comes back and they have a party and they tear that house up. And the condition of that house is worse than it was before when it was just possessed by the one. So pulling those concepts together and understanding the Father won't send His Spirit to live in an unregenerate person. 
No saving relationship with Christ, no helper living in you. It's not enough just to sweep the house clean, but Jesus must take residence in that life. And whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him, make myself known to him. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the words you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. I will come, we will come and live in you. And so, all the demons and all the darkness and all the sin driven out and the house swept clean. And then the new owners, who were the original owners, move into that space. So that when the enemy comes back and he's looking for an opportunity, some place to hang out, some place to wreak havoc, some place to sow discord, destruction into a life, which is their purpose from the beginning, from the fall, from, from, the, from the outset. And comes back and doesn't just find somebody living in that house, but finds God Almighty living in that house. The Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Do you think for one minute he's going to go try to go inside that house? There's a stronger man than he would ever be inside of that house. And the best that he could do is stand outside and throw rocks at the windows. The best he can do is just make noise outside and try to get us to look out at him. To, to give notice. To open the door. Right? To give place to... To open the door. Who's out here? Can I come in? Well, I don't know, maybe. No. Occupied. So the Father won't send His Spirit to live in an unregenerate person. No saving relationship with Christ means no helper. Similarly, a believer's, a true believer, A believer's disobedience grieves the Spirit and quenches His work in us. Now we understand what the Helper, what what the Holy Spirit is first and foremost from Jesus' mouth is Helper. That's the first thing we hear. He is Helper. And that's more than just someone to kind of assist and do things. No, it's it's much bigger. That, that power of helping is much bigger. It is a lifting. It is a, it is a keeping in check. You, you have a good helper. To have a good helper is, is someone who would come alongside you and not just, not just observe, but be stepping in and saying, no, no, not, not that direction. No, that's, that, is, that runs afoul of Scripture. That is contrary. These things you're about to do, what you're about to step. This is contrary to what the Word of God says. No, stop that there. No, stop right here. Stop right here. 
Well, look, nobody knows and nobody understands. I do. The Spirit will... The, the Spirit says, I do, I see that, and I, I will challenge that, and I will check that. that. That's a helper. Not just an observer who's just going to watch and go, wow, that's going to end poorly. You follow that path, that's going to end poorly. He is a helper of the greatest means. Bringing to mind, what, what, did, what did it say, what it says later in John, that, that He will bring to mind the things that I've said. He will remind you. He will remind me. He will remind us of the things that Jesus said so that we know and we understand these are the commands, these are the ways to go. This is what He wants us to do. This is how He wants us to live. And He brings that, and that is a help to us. It's like, okay, I know what to do, and I know what's there. But He doesn't just leave it at, here's the information, but He also gives that it's called, uh, you know, I've heard it called by preachers of old, unction. You know, it's sort of like that, that, that boost of, yeah, I know you know this, but do it. I know you understand. I know you have the words. They're, they're engraved, I hope, engraved in, that, in the soft tissue of your heart, but do them. Come on, he's that kind of like, not just a cheerleader, not just a motivational speaker, but he's a helper in every sense of like, come on, let's go. I know you don't feel like it. I know this is, I know that the opposition is there. The word says there's be opposition. We'll get to it at some point. The, 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 the world will hate you. Men will hate you, yes, but let's go. Do it anyway. That is the Holy Spirit. When we live in disobedience, to what Christ has said. We are quenching that help. We are stifling that voice in our life. When we go after the things that God calls bad, evil, corrupting, when we go after those things, we're quenching and stifling our help. Now, it's easy to put these words out there and say those things, but it's something else in the moments to realize if I follow a path that is contrary to what the Word of God says and and plainly states, from some small degree to some large degree, I am essentially chopping my legs out from underneath me. I am taking away the strength to walk things out. I am taking away the the power that God wants to put in my life to do the things that He commands. I... You understand the concept that if you have someone who's helping you carry a very heavy load, and as you're walking carrying that load, if you would occasionally just throw salt in their eyes or put an obstacle out in front of them to trip over, that you're not just messing with something 
you know, vague and obscure over there, you're, you're, you're tampering with the ability of that person to help you carry that load, right? You understand that concept if you're just carrying a load, doing something that involves a load. But not only that, but you're causing that load to drop, and you're going to drop that load as well. And that load will fall on you, and you will be hindered in moving that load. If you understand, if we understand the load that we're moving is this life in accord with the word and will and the work of God. So if we do things, if we willfully open the door for things, if we willfully pursue things that are contrary to the word of God, contrary to words of Christ, we're effectively limiting the helper's work. We are quenching the spirit. We are quenching, stifling our helper. And it will fall on us. Galatians five sixteen through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And just to clarify, that does not mean you're above the law. What that means is, and in Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're within the law. We are going to be obeying the law. Christ did not come to throw it away. He did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And in Christ, then we are fulfilling. And in the flesh, we are not. We are not. We will not be fulfilling the law, living in the flesh. But if we are led by the Spirit, you're not in the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. I dare say obvious. Yeah, obvious. Sexual immorality. You don't have to look very far. Like you just don't have to look very far right now. You don't have to look very far to not see it named in churches and places. And you wonder. But that's another thing. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Sensuality. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I just think to myself, and I'm just going to like just pop this little deal out there. But if you see the music industry, and it's just across the board, 
I see that list. Like, I just see that list. I'm, I'm familiar. It's like I'm not unfamiliar with, with music. I enjoy music of all kinds. I do. I enjoy all different styles of music. The question is not the styles or the sound or, or any of that. But the question is, or not really the question, the statement I'm making is that so much is just rife with, full of these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And if you want to step out of that a little bit and just look at the entertainment industry as a whole, like what, what is there to watch? Can we not say it? 358 channels and nothing to watch. Nothing's on. Oh, I'll just try this. Okay, four F-bombs in. I'm like, should I shut this off? Or do I dial that back to, okay, there, there's one. Strike one, you're out. I don't know. You know. Can I not find a message, a story that says this without having to deal with all this? Do, do I do things without... Do, do I do things without inviting this in? Well, it's our only, it's only, the only choices that we have is here and there, you know? Or you could buy, like, the, the thing that the Mormons put out, the angel TV thing where, you know, the, it, it filters that all out. To some movies, it's just like, wow, that two-hour blockbuster was, like, 15 minutes long, you know? And they cut out all the stuff, and it's like, well, that was, I think there was a car chase, and then something blew up, and they all smiled and walked away. I don't know. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. To rephrase that just a tiny bit, it's like there's no laws against those things. There's nothing that says, thou shalt not love, thou shalt not have patience, thou shalt not have kindness. There's no law against those things. And those are the fruit of the Spirit. And when we say, there's two really important points to, to get here. The first list, the works of the flesh hear that the works of the flesh are all this list of things but the fruit of the spirit are this list of things so understand that it's that the producing of fruit that is obvious it stems out of a relationship with Christ and a love for Christ which is reflected in obedience to His commandments. And out of that belief and behaving in a way that honors God comes the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And again, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not stifle the work of the Helper. And what will happen? Fruit will be produced. And those who belong, 24, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. That is to say, there is a war inside. And to cater to the flesh is to grieve the Spirit. To grieve the Spirit is to stifle your help and thereby stunt the growth of His fruit in your life. Later in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. That sowing and reaping is this. What you nurture is what grows. What you nurture is what grows. And what you cut out is also what dies. Following the illustration of tending a garden. You don't nurture the weeds and cut down the plants that are giving fruit. It's the other way. So you chop out the weeds. You cut out those that are invasive that would starve the fruit. Starve the plant. Starve the fruit of its nutrients. And following that same idea, that same illustration if we do things and let things grow up in us that stifle the work of the helper then we're going to end up with little fruit withered fruit and the question isn't about how much fruit and how fruity can I be but the question is why do we have fruit in the first place And the answer is to glorify the maker. To glorify the creator. And we'll get to that in a second, but to glorify the vine out of which we are growing. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 521. There's there's a lot of scripture I want to read here. And I'm going to let it speak for itself for the most part because I think just listening to it like that, it just says so much. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have been become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, 
created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And all of those things aren't just for this building or with a crowd of brothers and sisters. It's for all time and everywhere. Not just this room, not just this space, but for all time and everywhere. I've heard it said, I love the phrase, all of Christ for all of life. And, and I say that to say that it's not just here and not just with us and in this place, but everywhere that we go. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, therefore, or by doing those things, by living that way, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And again, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, this is really huge. Therefore, do not become partners with them. That doesn't mean you've got to leave the world because there's going to be sinners in it. No, it's not about that. Uh, Paul had talked about that. So if you're going to get away from that, just leave the, leave the earth. But that's not what you're called to do. That's not what we're called to do. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are called to be here as ambassadors. We are called to be here as salt and light. And salt and light to our own merit, to our own righteousness? No, to the righteousness of Christ. 
to the story of Christ, to the gospel. But it says, don't become partners with them. Don't join up, link arms, and, and go walking down the figurative street or literal street together, arm in arm, singing, we are together, doing the things, and it might be kind of questionable, but I'm being loving. You, you can't hear the shiver in the recording, so I'm just telling you that's what happened. For at one time, you were darkness. But now you're light in the world, or in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Therefore, back to 7 to 10, Ephesians 5, 7 to 10 again. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And 10, exclamation point at both ends of 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Our intention should not be, what do I like? Or, what makes me happy? What makes me feel good? But discerning what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, in mentioning all this list of things and sexual immorality and impurity, we can stand back and say, yeah, that's awful. I don't participate in that. I don't do those things. I stay as far away as I can from that stuff. I don't, I don't cuss and I don't chew and I don't run with girls that do or whatever some statement is, you know. I'm, I'm good. What do I listen to? Like, what do I watch? How do I entertain myself? And it's like, okay, come on, really? You're, you're messing up all the fun. You're, you're messing up my relaxed time by making me have to be vigilant for that stuff. I just want to just kind of sit back, chill, watch, binge watch 7 million YouTube videos and just kind of relax and watch whatever. So am I standing up here, YouTube is evil. No. Entertainment is wrong. No. 
music, music is full of the devil. No, not saying that. Not saying that at all. Matter of fact, I'm almost going to kind of say the opposite of that with a little caveat. If it's blowing garbage off of any of these lists in here, they don't care how fun it is or how it makes you feel or makes me feel, because I'm there. I'm not like standing apart. I don't do any of these things. I don't have any idea what this is about, but it's evil, so don't do it. I'm in there. I'm in there with you. We're, we're in there. We're not, we're not just you know, living on a cloud someplace apart from all of this and saying these things. The challenge is just as real for me as for anybody. Not, what do I like? Or what makes me happy? What relaxes me? What makes me feel good? What do I enjoy? What do I like to see? But discerning. Do you hear that word there? Discerning. Discerning is not just this casual thing in Scripture. When it talks about discernment, it's not just a kind of like, yeah, you yeah, got a list, go down it, yeah, 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 it hits all the boxes, okay, good. No, it, it, it's, a, it's more. It's more in understanding. And again, going back to something previous, that the Holy Spirit is our helper in these things. Our, the Holy Spirit is our helper in discerning the will of God. We are not left to try to figure this out on our own. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God in us. If you're a believer, you have a helper to help you in this. But it's a, it is a task. Discernment is, 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 there's some work involved in that. I want to know what's right. I want to know, am I doing this just to satisfy the flesh? Or am I doing this to be pleasing to the Lord? Like, is this pleasing to the Lord? And if it is pleasing to the Lord, then the helper is like up in that space. I'm all about killing this sin in your life. I'm all about destroying the things on this list that play at your brain. Because if they're dead, I have more room to work. And if I have more room to work in your life, the Holy Spirit has more room to work in our lives, the fruit that we will grow for His glory will be magnificent. Which brings us to abiding in Christ. John 15, 1-11 I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And not to leave the fruit as some mysterious thing, but we just read the list, the fruit of the Spirit, that we might bear that kind of fruit. And out of the fruit of the Spirit in us, the, the gospel has power and life, and it's convicting and convincing in the lives of others around us. We do not grow the fruit to say, look at me, I'm fruity. We grow that fruit. That fruit is grown in us because it comes out of the vine. 
It comes out of Christ. And it's a part of expression of the life of Christ in us. And it glorifies God. And so when they see the fruit in us as a vine, they look back at that and go, where did that come from? What, what, what root did that grow from? What vine is that coming out of? And who tended this? Like, who's the one who grew this? This is amazing. If you've done gardening and you've put on some kind of spectacular, you know, I, I, I made a killer tomato plant and it was just like beautiful and it, and it had big tomatoes and they were shiny and no blight on them. And someone comes over and says, oh, wow, did you do that? And you just go, yeah, I, I did. How did you do that? Well, I had this fertilizer and I used that and I, and I killed tomato bugs until my hands hurt. And I just tended and tended and tended. And somebody's going to say, oh, you're awesome. That is awesome. And they, they will glorify you for being a good vine tender. How much more than the perfect God of heaven when it's evident that fruit is growing up in us and when somebody says did you do that absolutely my fingerprints are all over that my fingerprints are all over that and then i find it's like when something good comes out but i can say Wow, you did that. I didn't flex something and that fruit popped out. You did it. You, you crafted me into a vine I didn't deserve to be in. You caused a fruit to grow up in me that I was dead. I was a dead branch, dead in sin. And you grafted me into a vine that was alive and full of life. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full And just some last comments. Abiding is not some 
esoteric, some mystic, or some super spiritual word in this sense. It simply means to stay in constant relationship with someone. It simply means to stay in constant relationship with someone. There's a helpful Bible study note that I I pulled out of my study Bible. And it said, basically, Abide in me means to continue in a daily personal relationship with Jesus characterized by trust, prayer, obedience, and joy. So I would say to that first, trust and prayer acknowledges what that verse said, verses back said before it, without Him we can do nothing. Trust and prayer acknowledges that. Obedience sounds like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my way, my way. Doing it my way got us to the fall. Doing what we thought was best, what we thought was right. And yes, we got the DNA running in us. It's in our lineage. It's in our heritage. It's back there. But it was, I will do it my way, the way I want to, got us separated from God and any help. But doing it His way sounds like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, right here, right now, where I live, in the spaces I walk in, for the whole of my life, and the whole of our lives, on earth as in heaven. And then joy flows naturally. Joy flows naturally out of a good and right relationship with God in Christ By the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy flows naturally out of a good and right relationship with God in Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And I will say in talking about the word abiding. We understand abiding in our one another relationships right we do and and we will do all manner of things to achieve and receive that abiding we we want personal relationships and we want them to flourish and sometimes that's turned to self and i'll do anything to get that person to relate to me i don't know uh, everybody that's married here probably dated at some point, and you would do anything to get that person to pay attention to you. You just would. Even lie, and that's awful. <laughs> but it happens. Oh, Lord, help us. But we'll do anything to get the attention, and then once we have it, to hold it, because we want the abiding. We want that constant relationship and we want it to be good and we'll pursue it and we'll also hope it's pursuing us. So we understand that concept of abiding and what that means. 
But in a bigger level, it flows out of something so much bigger, is that our heart does crave believers, believers, Spirit of God, craving in you and through you constant relationship with God in Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit is moving and orchestrating and pushing and challenging to get everything out of the way so that that relationship is beautiful and singing. We want that abiding with us. And He tells us, abide with me. Abide with me and I with you. It's not just one way, it's both. And He desires to abide with us. And He's given us the tools to abide with Him and the power to abide with Him if we don't do things to quench that. If we don't allow things into our lives, our minds, our headspace, everything that will quench that helper's ability to do that with us. How much more then in understanding those abiding relationships in the horizontal, how much more then will we turn our attention to the most important and fundamental relationship we will ever have? And just to be sure, I'm not talking a works righteousness. I'm not talking about like earning some favor with God and earning our salvation. We understand that that work is done by the power of God in, in the cross and in Christ and the Holy Spirit. We know and understand it's like He did that, not us. We didn't earn it. We didn't earn it. He did that. And so I'm not talking about some sort of, okay, we've got these works to do and I've got a list. I've got a list to do. It's like, yeah, you have a list. It's like I see these things. I see these things in me. I know they touch at something inside of me and I want to go that route. Holy Spirit, I need help. I need help. And if we understand the purpose of the Holy Spirit, then we understand His help will be there. Because He does not want to be quenched any more than we really truly want Him to be quenched in our lives and in our walk. So let's pray. Father, thank You for Your abiding love and for Your bringing us Your Word and and bringing us to relationship with You and calling us out of the darkness and into Your light. Thank you, Lord, for making of us something we could never be apart from you doing that work. I know without you, I can do nothing of any substance or any great import here. Without you, I know that we would all be lost. But you didn't leave us In that state, you sent your son and he obeyed you because he loves you. And let it be that we are that same. You have shown us love and you have given us love in Christ.
You've shown it us what love means. May we reciprocate that love because you loved us first. May we reciprocate that love in obedience to you and to your word. Father, I pray for us here in this spot, and I pray for brothers and sisters all over this world. Father, clean house. Sweep the corrupt and the blasphemous out of our heads and out of our spaces and out of our lives that your spirit would be producing and and growing good fruit in us for your glory, yours and yours only. And may we delight in that work and may we find great joy in that communion with you and that work you want to do in us. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I pray, my prayer is this, that these words are, first, as believers, encouraging. And I pray, secondly, that you find them just as challenging as I did when I was reading through here and seeing these things. And so I pray that it is both those things that is encouraging and challenging. I will say it again. I don't have a list. I'm not coming to your house. None of us are. You don't come to your house like, I see you got that thing. I got that. You got this. You got that. No. Mm -mm -mm. No. Sorry. I mean, unless you want that. And then at that point, it's like, oh, I like that movie. (laughs) That might be bad. I'm dealing with that. I I was like, oh, great. I just showed what I'm fighting with. Okay. But I encourage. Encourage you. Let the Lord... Let him just discern what's pleasing to him, not what's pleasing to the crowd. I don't care which crowd it is, but what's pleasing to him and walk that out. Walk that out. Good things, good things will come of that. Fruit will grow out of that and he'll be glorified. And anyway, that's enough of me.